0: Good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Nigro again. Our next episode of Psychology Unplugged has always a fun week interacting with so many of you guys across the world. Um, such It's a, just a really cool and fun experience doing this. Uh, Julia's here, obviously, making noise in the background. Um, and <clears throat> those of you guys who follow the program, you know, I do this very organically. It was earlier today. She's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I don't know. And I get I get the eye roll. It's like you have all week to think of something to talk about. Will you please get it together? I'm like, that's not how my mind works. I gotta go with something. So we're gonna revisit a topic today because I had a lot of people reach out over the past week and I and I appreciate when you guys email me about topics that um, are of particular interest to you or other people. So uh, I know autism is one that I will eventually get around to uh, to answer someone's question. Uh, Michael Scott from The Office, what his personality would be, that is, that is classic histrionic personality disorder. Uh, that's a topic in and of itself. So, we're going to revisit attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, one of the most common referral questions that you get as a neuropsychologist, and everybody thinks that they have ADHD. Uh, I did this an episode on this uh, early when well, we first started the podcast. But a lot of people uh, have reached out for some reason. I don't know why, but they've asked me to kind of explain in more detail um, ADHD and to Julie to talk about uh, medication and different options uh, treatment wise. So um, I want to make the very clear there is no such thing as ADD. It is all attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and there are three types of ADHD. The first type is ADHD, predominantly hyperactive type. Now, this is an individual that generally can pay attention, but they are motorically dysregulated. You will see uh, a lot of what we call hyperconnectivity, can't sit still, always pacing. I mean, it can be bipolar too, but um, the second type is the inattentive type. Now, this is the type that really goes undiagnosed. And you see it sometimes even in adults. And the inattentive type is one that often, um, probably one of the more, more common referrals that I get is just do you think you have ADHD? And it generally, you, you can see hyperactivity. You can see that in the third type is the combined type where you have inattention and hyperconnectivity. But the inattentive type, um, I've seen so many kids who have, and again, this is a neurological disorder, all right? This is not something that you develop later in life. This is not something that you catch, I've had people ask me, "Can I catch ADHD?" I think I caught it from somebody. Uh, no, you, you can't catch it. You either have it or you don't, and it's 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 a lifelong journey with 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 this diagnosis. So, it, with the inattentive type, the problem is if you take, take take kids for example. Um, they're often labeled as lazy, unmotivated, uh, daydreamers, and what in reality, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is really an access issue. It's an inability to access the knowledge that a person has, whether that's crystallized information, fluid reasoning. Um, And again, neuropsych is really independent of IQ. I do IQ testing when it's relevant, um, but I don't do IQ testing all the time. And I personally and professionally i would never base a diagnosis of adhd off of a simple rating scale i think that is there's what we call almost um uh, there's too many false positives. Do I use norm-based rating scales in my evals? Absolutely. But I think the only way that you can accurately identify whether somebody has ADHD is to actually give them the tests that test the attentional systems. Your complex attention, simple attention, sustained attention, even working memory and executive functions. Those are the parts in the orbital prefrontal cortex that are dysregulated in, in the ADHD uh, spectrum of of, of, di- of diagnoses so I, a lot of people have come in and they've used different rating scales and uh, a lot of pediatricians will use rating scales and I, I think and you know Julia will talk about this, there, there's a real danger that if you get on a stimulant medication and you don't have uh, and you have a, a comorbid means an underlying or an additional psychiatric diagnosis like a mood disorder of, of, of depression of bipolarity cyclothymia uh, the, the, the similar medications can kind of have a paradoxical effect. So no surprise that you'll hear me say that if you think you or someone else has a psychiatric condition, ADHD in this case, get a full neuropsych eval. Do not base it off of a, a simple rating scale. Uh, and I could tell you there's, it, it, it's, it's really interesting because, a lot of psychiatric conditions, they, they mimic ADHD, depression in, in particular. Uh, or if somebody is, is, is manic uh, or is just you know agitated, even, even sometimes borderline, um, if there's that emotional dysregulation and, and, and that, that's not being controlled and they're, and they're going through this whole process of, of being of, of uh, a neuropsychoval, other things can mimic it and the testing is able to pick that up because the testing I do is so extensive I do more testing than most generally my levels are 50 60 70 80 90 pages sometimes in the hundreds when you get that's more when you get into like brain injury and you have to look at MRIs and more medical records and stuff like that but uh, ADHD is definitely a legitimate diagnosis everybody thinks they have it uh, and that is simply not the reality and all, a lot of times it, it's depression you know, depression will pull down the attentional systems, depression and e- even uh, anxiety. You know, the whole process of being tested creates uh, a certain level of angst because you, you, you the whole point of getting tested is to find out what's wrong. So I think, you know, that that's why I spend so much time, you know, building rapport with people and, and trying to get them at ease and and assuage their anxiety Um you know, because it, it this whole process in of itself is not designed to figure out, uh, neuropsych is not about figuring out strengths. And the other thing I want to say about neuropsych is uh, a lot of people have asked me to kind of clarify this. Neuropsych in and of itself, uh, I think people practice it a little differently. So there, you have the neural piece, which is looking at um, verbal memory, visual memory, uh, Like I said, simple attention, sustained attention, complex attention, working memory, processing speed, executive functions, cognitive flexibility, psychomotor speed, motor speed, uh, reaction time. Those are your core uh, neurological features uh, or abilities that, that are assessed. What I do is I incorporate the psych piece. And that's when you get into social-emotional personality functioning. So that's where you're really able to to delineate with such specificity what the diagnostic picture is for an individual. So a lot of times people will say, well, I I had a neuropsych, but they didn't really ask me anything about... um, you know like my personality or mood and stuff like that so it's really important that you know you you, you want to really have the most comprehensive testing possible again I'm one person I have a specific methodology uh it's just how my mind works but again I at the, at the end of the day after I finish writing these evals I'm 100 percent confident that the that the diagnosis is accurate and um Again, with ADC being so, so prominent, sometimes it's, it's, it's very blatant, you know, where you can see, um, you can just see the hyperactivity, you can see the agitation and it's really important when, and some of the tests that we use or that I use, uh, when you get into social emotional personality functioning is they're able to pick up if someone is faking, if someone is lying, if someone's being overly defensive. So those are really important component parts, uh, you know, somebody's coming in and saying, I, I, I want to get on Adderall. Uh, that's generally a red flag. Um, or somebody says they want to get on modafinil. All right. You shouldn't. You, you, most people uh, don't know those words or, or those specific medications. So they're kind of like, hmm. Yeah, same thing. It's like I need to get on Aprazolam, which is Xanax, or, or Lorazepam, which is Ativan. Um so Julie can probably talk more about that, but you know ADHD really. Uh, I think it it can manifest in adults, and it really you really see a lot of, from my experience, the transition from elementary school to middle school, middle school to high school, high school to college, and sometimes in the adult world, where you know if the demands of the situation do not bump up against the ability level, generally you will not see the deficits. And I've had a lot of adolescents that I've worked with, who they're very smart, uh, they're articulate, they're they're well put together, but they're really depressed. And you, what you sometimes, and, and they come and they come in for you know maybe they're they're. they're uh, um, maybe they're having suicidal ideations or self-injurious behaviors or just behavioral dysregulation or oppositionality and and and, you know through the testing you kind of find out like they may be coming to help they want want me to figure out what's going on with them psychologically and they're not even looking for adhd but it happens to be there and that could really be the explanatory factor because they're going to school they're they're Running out of time on their tests, um, they're not able to organize, plan, sequence, prioritize, prioritize, hold several constructs in their mind simultaneously. And so they're studying really hard, and they're getting C's and D's. And that could definitely when their ability level is much higher than that. So the recommendations that I generally put in for for ADHD, because um, I, I can't make any school put anybody on an individual or IEP an individual education plan or a 504 plan. Uh, that's what we have in the United States in terms of academic accommodations. But the ones that, that generally work based in research and just years of clinical practice is extra time. That is probably the most beneficial one extra time on all in-class at-home assignments even if it translates into an adult working environment extra time to complete projects um stick academically uh extra time on all uh assignments provided that kid's not a procrastinator um what well, the other ones? Uh, the option to take all tests and quizzes in a in a private room that is free from distraction. The op- the option to use a fidget device, a wiggle ball. Um, the option to wear uh, headphones during times of non-instruction, or if you're at work and you're know, just people to some. And it, it really kind of varies. Some some people will just want the headphones to drown out the noise. Other people want to put the headphones on with some some music, and it helps them to. to stay focused. Uh, Frequent breaks, when, when people feel that their attention is more uh, dysregulated, uh, sometimes just you know five minutes, because for, for people with ADHD, if we are sick academically with kids, it is painful. And even adults, it's painful, especially if you're doing a task that you are completely uninterested in. It, it, it could be excruciating. Um, academically, I usually recommend advanced copies of all class notes to minimize the demands placed in the attentional systems, which is also really, really helpful if there's a comorbid processing speed disorder, because you have the information in front of you. Otherwise, you're you're basically sitting there writing the notes. Of the teacher from what the teacher or professor is, is saying, and then at the end of it, um, I have no idea what I just wrote because I wasn't paying able to pay attention to how the instructor was explaining it. Um, so those are the recommendations that that I I I find to be the most effective. Uh, but the extra time is is one that really is. Um, one of the most important things uh, in the United States, Amer- ADC does fall in under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Uh, you know, I don't know, but probably change the disability title at some point. Um, but it, 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 this, is a, it, this is a serious disorder. It, it, it's, it's very common. Uh, it's something, like I said, I think a lot of people think that they have. Um, some legitimately do, and others don't. And everybody wants the magic pill. Uh, I don't know, Julie and I watched the, I think it was on Netflix or... Hulu, uh, Adderall Nation. And you can kind of check out, um, there's a really good documentary about, you know, this whole underground world of, you know, texting and chat rooms and people and Adderall. You know, sometimes people or parents will say, if I diagnose them with their child with ADHD, they'll be like, they don't have ADHD. Yes, they do. But they can play, they they play their video games for hours with their friends. Yes, anybody can pay attention with or without ADHD to something that they're incredibly interested in. Um, So, you know you know again testing is really the only way to really delineate what it is what it's not and whatever it is how it manifests idiosyncratic to you as an individual so Again, there's an overreliance on 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 medication, I think uh, the medications will help people concentrate, but they do not teach anybody the skills. This is where executive function coaches come in um, where you, you know they're helping kids learn how to plan how to organize how to you know code things because you know that over reliance on 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 medication, yes, you'll be able to pay attention, but it doesn't seriously with the, the, the water um now, I lost my train of thought. ADHD. I know it's ADHD, but so you know, as I was saying, yes, Executive functioning. huh? Executive functioning. Well, executive function is, is a part of it, uh, but again, this is really the, the brain's higher order cognitive systems that are really operating with with, with this specific diagnosis. And I and again, I think it's uh, even even my colleagues who are prescribers besides Julie. Uh, you know, there's this is you know everybody wants their adderall they want their ritalin they want they want that that instant instant jolt but you have to you know keep the caveat in mind who's who's going to teach the skills who's going to teach the person how to plan the sequence to organize whatnot um and again why the importance of having the neuropsych eval not just relying on a rating scale is you got to make sure there's not another an underlying mood disorder there so julia's here and she's going to jump on and talk about her role in dealing with adhd from a psychopharmacological perspective
1: hi everyone um i'm just going to talk a little bit about uh adhd in um practice and um and things that you know if you think you may have adhd which you know we're kind of like uh it's i think a lot of it is our society too um Adderall's really, uh, it's got a stigma to it actually. Um, a lot of people have uh, benefited from using Adderall and Adderall can be very helpful sometimes depending on the situation. So I guess I'll just go in, dive in a little bit to just talk a little bit about what it's like as a provider, um, in lieu of, you know, people being out in the world and wondering if they have this disorder or not. Um, and disorder, whatever this condition, I mean, um, usually it. First of all, it's very rare to find somebody who just has ADHD. Um, it's kind. Of, it's easy to treat. It's super easy to treat if there's no underlying mood disorder going on. Um, so I'm just going to start in with that. So what happens? I've. What I've learned. I believe um, so far in practice is that the inattentive type of ADHD is not obvious at all. Um, I think nowadays, unless you're going to a hoity-toity private school with, you know, having a lot of attention um, from your teacher and a lot of already, you know, pre-existing accommodations and support, I think in regular public schools, not every public school, but you know, public schools have um, you know their they have they have the MCAS, they have a lot of other stuff they have to focus on. So you get overcrowded classrooms, and a kid with ADHD inattentive type presents as really anxious. Um, I found that a lot of the people that I've treated over the years have always kind of sensed that there was something not right. Um, they'd reflect back on school performance, um, or current performance. I like, get, you know, the classic is I, I read the same paragraph in this book over and over again. And I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not retaining any information. It's kind of like a basic one or a lot of people are clinically speaking brain farting because they go into one room and then they forget why they went in there. Uh, you know, I think a lot of that has increased since the pandemic started because our, Schedules and our rituals and all of that got really very discombobulated, and I think people just really aren't—you um, know—they they were affected by that, and I have noticed that a lot with people that I know personally will say it as well. Um, but anyway, uh, moving on from that. So the the inattentive type is something. And I and I do promote testing. What they use a lot is the Connors, and the Connors is the test that I don't heavily rely on at all. Um, it is pretty biased, and it's literally the teacher fills out one page form, the parents fill out a one page form, the student fills out a one page form, and you know, and then somehow, you know, people get diagnosed that way. Again, you know, I'm not discrediting the Connors test. I'm just saying, personally, I don't find it extremely effective. Um, the problem with the ADHD inattentive type, like I said, these are the kids that fall through the cracks. These are the kids who are the daydreamers. These are the kids who are just looking out the window and they're just not, you know, grasping information. I'm taking that for an example first. Um, so I typically will, if there's someone that, I, you know, like a young person, you don't, sometimes people are more savvy with stimulants and prescribing than than I am. I, I really need to know that someone has a, a confirmed diagnosis of ADHD before I imbibe on any um, stimulant trials. Um, also, people need to get, you know, clearance from their primary care, make sure there's no pre-existing, you know, any heart issues.
0: Well, you require an EKG for you to start people...
1: Um, so having said that, the inattentive type, literally, they almost don't know that they have it. And they're young kids, typically. And, and these are these are people who grow into adults, and they still knew there was something, but they couldn't quite put their finger on it. Do I have it? Do I don't? Whatever. And, and but there's really an important factor here. If you're now to switch, just kind of move into keeping the inattentive in mind, but also adding the hyperactive or combined type. So the hyperactive one, as Corey said, is when someone is, you know this kid, this this kid bouncing off the walls, interrupting. Um, sometimes they're labeled as the class clown. Um, they get a lot, they get into trouble a lot. They can't function in a classroom that they're not getting one-on-one attention um and those are the kids that really they they suffer for it um you know people can assume that kids have ADHD based on those behaviors they're acting out behaviors um those are typically treated with things like guanfacine of uh, someone doesn't want to go on a stimulant if parents back in the day used to be very concerned about putting their kids on stimulants because and i you know, raise my kids, and at this time, it was definitely a, a caution where they were saying that the stimulants stunt children's growth. So there was a whole big study on that. Um, that's when um, parents and providers decided to have vacations so that the kids would only take medication while they're in school or in doing homework and then they'd not take it maybe on the weekends or on vacations. Um, that was sort of how they resolved that whole thing. Um, I'm not quite sure that it's really legitimate that it does stunt children's growth. Um, however, that was a huge concern over the years. Um, the, the most important thing to remember with treating ADHD is that yes, a neuropsych eval is brilliant, right? in a perfect world, can we all get people tested? No. So for me, I'm always checking for underlying mood issues. Um, Is this person an anxious person? Is this person a depressed person? Is this person maybe looking like it's hyperactive, but maybe are they manic or hypomanic? And when you're treating ADHD, it literally is, and I know I'm right about this, it's the cherry on the cake. If you're looking at treating somebody with medication, you have to look at it like building blocks, like scaffolding. If someone has bipolar disorder and they're manic, but they look like they have hyper... And they think they have ADHD or they purport that they have ADHD, the last thing you want to do is add a stimulant to someone who is not medicated and stable with bipolar disorder. Sometimes stimulants can cause psychosis if they're not prescribed correctly. Um, this is I've seen this happen over the course of my career, um, and you know, with someone who has schizophrenia. Uh, very, I don't really find a lot of schizophrenia patients with ADHD, um, and really, uh, people with schizophrenia are are that's a whole different topic, and we'll talk about that in a lot of time. But these stimulants can cause a lot of problems and people can really go awry. So having said that, the scaffolding is really important. So if someone's really, really depressed, historically and culturally, there are prescribers out there and have been that will add a stimulant to someone who literally can't get out of bed. Even if they're on medication Relatively stable for the most part, but just can't get out of bed. Um, So some people will prescribe that for like fatigue. Like I said, cherry on the cake, where you think you've maximized any medication to the degree that it's going to work. Um, Sometimes there's treatment-resistant depression, and that's a very difficult condition to treat. Um, it's not impossible. sometimes it is, but most likely, you know, sometimes psychiatrists um, and providers out there will add a stimulant on board just to get someone motivated. Um, anxiety is really if there's an underlying generalized anxiety or some sort of a anxious condition that is significant, and, you know, A stimulant will make people more anxious. So, the question also becomes too because of ADHD and Adderall, meaning the Adderall medication being so highly abused, it has caused a stigma to it. So, there's a stigma attached to it because so many people have misused it. People who take Adderall. And I'm using Adderall as an example. It's certainly not the only one. I'll talk about a few others, but with with uh, Adderall, it's 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 addictive. So, and essentially, you know, with people who don't have ADHD, it makes them high. It's speed. It's it's that. I mean, so people like usually will like how it makes them feel. It makes them focused. Um, A lot of times ADHD will really be just a processing speed condition. And um, I don't like saying disorder, but, um, you know, processing speed is entirely different. And can stimulants help with processing speed? I've seen it work to a degree, but that's really just basic functioning. It's not really, it's more of a a physical function than a... um, like a, like a neurotransmission function. Um, so um, having said that too, I want to talk a little bit about Adderall and how it, is, it has become addictive. And it's also part of our culture where people know what it is, generally. People, I know the deal. I mean, people go off to college and they're buying Adderall from their friends, or you know, it, it, because people want to do well on tests. ADHD blew up, too, because parents want their kids to be able to function to their full potential. And I think there are a lot of times where, you know, parents think their kids have ADHD. And sometimes I think even they want their kids (laughs) not want it, but just like want an answer or some sort of uh, remedy that will help people, you know, function better. Um, We live in the United States and it's a very highly competitive country when it comes to getting into universities and, and um, colleges. And it's a whole other level now. I mean, when I was growing up 4.0 was the GPA, like that was the, that was the norm. And that's not the case. I mean, I've literally watched over the years that that morph into something different. And when I went to school at uh, Mass General, um, I remember vividly, doctors you know residences residents getting on the elevator um with and you would see md and then you'd see phd so that you are not only graduate and these are harvard students but you're not just graduating with a medical degree now they're graduating with phds so um you know this society there's a lot of pressure on kids a lot of pressure on parents a lot of pressure on providers to really help people to function in the best way that they can. Um, the, the other part is, you know, just to go back a little bit, is that the hyperactive, you know, the, the kid acting out, you really don't know what's going on with a kid like that. I mean, usually kids can't tell you what they're experiencing. Um, and then once they go to school, they compare notes, they, they're looking at other kids and they're saying, Hey, why, why are they getting an A and why am I getting a D and, you know, and, um, and how they, you know, come to understand or function academically. Um, and also socially. So you have a kid who's got ADHD combined or have hyperactive type. He's not medicated. And then he's bouncing off the walls. It's really hard for a kid like that to make a lot of friends well, unless I, he's being a jokester. Or thing. her. It's not just gender Th- That specific. The
0: research has shown that, that individuals with ADHD, particularly kids, are 30% below their same age peers socially, emotionally, and motorically.
1: Motorically means They're clumsy. Mo- motor motor. They're clumsy. Activity. Yeah.
0: But their emotional intelligence is, is there's, a, there's about thirty percent below what they're um, from their chronological age.
1: So there are medications for like kids who are maybe a little anxious. There's Strattera; it's called Atomoxetine, and you know we'll, I think we'll prescribe that a lot. Um, that's the first. That's usually the first thing we'll use to. Um, to treat that in young adults, because, you know, I mean, again, it depends. I told you from the get-go, every provider is different, and every provider has their own philosophy, respectively. So I am not critiquing anybody's work. Um, I'm just saying, for me, that's one route I would take if I knew this person had generalized anxiety and also had ADHD, inattentive type. So the stimulants really help with inattentive type. And they also help with the combined type and the hyperactive type. Um the other thing I wanted to talk about um I was kind of thinking about this before you chimed in. I thinking thinking thinking. Can you thinking, chime thinking in again? In. No, I'm just trying to So uh with substance use disorder, you run that risk too as a provider. You know, you want to treat someone to so that they function in the best way possible. So when someone comes to you, you kind of yeah, kind of have to have your you know, um, I hate the word I don't want to say bullshit reader, but there are people that have approached providers looking for a certain medication. Let's say whether it's a benzo or whether it's you know Adderall, Um, you know they'll, they'll they'll sometimes when you dig deep, if they're honest enough to tell you that they've abused medication or have abused substances, you'll find that there's a, a large correlation with people who use cocaine um in in ultimately they find out they have ADHD. That's a conundrum, um, in and of itself, because you have a person who has misused a stimulant, but and they really on for the most part will report that it doesn't make me high like everybody else it calms me down so in one of the trick questions is does coffee calm you down coffee makes gets people all amped up but if people and i and i say this you know i can't say this with entire certainty with everyone on the planet obviously it's just a generalization but you know, if someone drinks a lot of coffee and they're calm, I think these people drink coffee all night. They could they, they go to sleep because it calms them down. It's a stimulant and it's treating because it's caffeine, because it's a stimulant. So um, with the substance use, though, you have to really be careful. If someone has a previous addiction too, its addiction. So you don't really want someone to relapse because you've put them on a stimulant. And I mean a stimulant, a stimulant that they could possibly potentially abuse, like Adderall. Ritalin is another one. That's methylphenidate. That Those are things that, that people will use, you know, crush, snort, whatever. The the things that um, I feel like really helps with someone who has an addictive history um, Vyvanse is uh, a pretty fantastic medicine for ADHD. It is a stimulant, but it is, isn't, and this is as far as I know. I could be wrong. There could be people out there abusing this too. But as far as I know, that if you, it's a capsule. So if you open it, 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 it's, not, it's not effective. So people, the, the abuse potential with that drug is, um, it's a pretty safe bet that. For the most part, it's a, it's a safe, safe uh, medication to use for um, both, the inattentive, hyperactive, and combined type. But I do want to say, and I want to reiterate, ADHD, if it's straight up, a straight up case, that it's a breeze to treat. The, the this, this struggle, and Cora mentioned this too, executive functioning, is huge you've got to get therapy i i can't tell you how many people i've treated over the years that just get to that point where well when i get home and you know they'll go to work all day and then they get home and then they have kids and then they they have a lot to do so but you can't have people on you know you know 90 milligrams of adderall do you know what i'm saying so there's a lot where these medications people have to figure out how it works for them the best way it works for them Um, and also you know it's like oh i want to increase my dose because it's not lasting you know i I needed a higher dose well yes sometimes you can but then sometimes you know you can't you you can't go too high because it's unsafe it's a stimulant but it does optimize functioning Um, so for example there are a lot of people out there that, you know, have to-do lists. They have their lists. A lot of us do. And sometimes, um, and I know for myself, I've taken Adderall before, prescribed, very low dose, very low dose. Um, and I know that I have ADHD. I know I do. Um, but I, I have to say, my patients noticed a difference in me. And that was because it had me so hyper-focused on what I was doing, I wasn't being relational, so I stopped because it really—I mean—the benefit I was getting out of it wasn't worth it. But it was really interesting to have experienced a stimulant medication as it was prescribed. Right? Um, I took half the dose anyway, and I just—I just said, "All right, I'm done with this." So, but anyway, that—that um, that being said, there are some. I would just say shout out to Cliff Weitzman again. I bring him up a lot. His app, Speechify, is really good, I think, for people who have ADHD who are in school, graduate school. Their their focus is particularly graduate school. And they talk a lot about this on his Instagram page, not his personal one, but the Speechify one. Definitely check it out. It's a huge support system. It offers executive functioning skills. It offers textbook. Um, so you can, it's, it's kind of like, a, what is the other one? It, 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 you can download textbooks and they can be read to you. But what they emphasize too on his app is that you not only listen to the words, you also, depending on what kind of a learner you are, can read along while you're being read to. My God, if this were available to me when I was in school, I probably would have done a a better job. Um, And I'm sure, you know, a lot of people, if we had that tool a long time ago, that it would have been very beneficial. So that's the other part. It's knowing how to maximize, make your lists, do whatever you have to do to, to help support this condition when a stimulant can't do everything. And the the most important thing is, yes, get a neuropsych eval if you can. Um, because if there's anything underlying stimulants, ADHD medication can be really pesky. So if someone has bipolar disorder and you put them on Strattera, which is adamoxetine, it's not a stimulant, but it could make them manic. It also, butrin is bupropion, very, very popular medication. I use it all the time. I love it. I love it. It's one of my faves. It also is FDA approved to treat ADHD. Personally, I think it's ADHD an attentive type. I don't think it really tackles hyperactivity, in my opinion. But I do have people who take that and do really well um, for ADHD. Again, bringing it back to Having a neuropsych evaluation is ideal because if there is an underlying bipolarity there a medication like robucon could tip somebody over so they could become manic or they could become more depressed and suicidal. So this is the this is how we treat it for the most part we're adding it on at the end in my in my journey so far you know it's always great to you know people are incredible and you know when you when you are successful at treating somebody and helping them feel better and you know diminish their anxiety you know kick their depression's ass and manage bipolarity you know it's it's you're just like happy happy to you know move on to finally treating the adhd but that that's the scaffolding behind the scenes so that is probably why if you guys just kind of know that you think that you want this or whatever because you think you have ADHD, providers are very, ske- they get very sketched out about people looking for this kind of medication. So don't be surprised because a lot of people go to their primary care and the primary care is, no, you got to see a psychiatrist or a psychiatric provider. You know, you got to do this, you got to do that. But um, I'm sure I'm forgetting a few things. I will tag it on the next time I talk but I don't want to talk all night. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you, and uh, it's it's all yours, Gord.
0: Thank you, Julie, as always. Um, but one other piece of information is statistically 80% of individuals who have a primary diagnosis of a bipolar disorder, again, with the water, 80% have a comorbid diagnosis of um ADHD. So it's uh, just wanted to revisit this because people have reached out and asked me to talk more about this. Uh, I think a lot of people who have recently joined, uh, The can't believe how many people follow us. Uh, incredibly humbling. But uh, there have been many occasions where people have really gotten upset with me when I told them that they do not have ADHD. Uh almost, it's like the punishment didn't fit the crime where they were really upset that they didn't have this diagnosis when it was depression. And again, that's why it's, again, so important with the testing to really be able to delineate. Uh, And I usually will ask people who are on a stimulant medication, if I'm going to test them to not take the stimulant medication the day of testing and the day prior. One, I want to verify that they do have ADHD. And also if there is ADHD, I want to be able to know the severity level. And I could tell you from experience, there have been enough people that I have tested off of their study medication that did not have ADHD. And then that, that becomes a whole discussion between them and, and, and their, you know, prescriber. But I will usually put in, you know, it, it, it may like discussion or recommendation section, like continued use of stimulant medication really should be discussed with their psychiatric prescriber because there is no evidence of it. Sometimes we, we have what are called things that are psychogenic in etiology, where you may be reporting symptoms of I can't pay attention or I can't focus and again a lot of times it's not ADHD it's a processing speed disorder or it's depression or a mood disorder so again it's neurological it's lifetime uh as Julie said you know medications can only do so much uh Therapy can help in terms of building up skills and learning the compensatory uh, coping mechanisms and and strategies. Uh, again, it's it's the my philosophy, like like I said, Julie, with with, with the with the rating scales, I use them. But I would never, ever, ever base a diagnosis of ADHD off of a, a rating scale done by a parent, a teacher, or anybody else. And if people bring them in and say, I had, I, I had these done, I don't even look at them. Because I, I believe in the integrity of the actual tests in and of themselves. So hopefully this was helpful. Uh We'll figure out what topic we're going to do next week. That's how my mind works. Um, appreciate all of your feedback and comments and uh, all of you guys. Who are, I think a lot of people are coming out um, in this Next few weeks from uh, around the world So it's a very humbling experience Um, Really appreciate this and this opportunity And uh, we will continue to do the best we can Like I said, this is our modest version of God's work Uh, Feel free to get a hold of me Through Psychology Unplugged at Outlook.com Through Psychology Today uh, You can contact me directly 617-750-9411 East Coast Standard Time in the United States Until next week, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Be well. Question everything. All right. Bye, guys.